Everybody, welcome to Here for the Health of It podcast. We are the biggest, best, fastest growing, juiciest, and classiest podcast in Colombia. Thanks for joining us. We have a treat for you today. We have a savage. Jeff Savage is his name. And he is the... So, and maybe you can explain this. You teach students how to be better at business and entrepreneurship mm-hmm. is the short end of it. Yes, that's the short end. Okay. And tell us where you're at, where you're at on Instagram and then where you're teaching. Yeah. So I am um, the director of the Faber Center of okay. Entrepreneurship, which is housed in the Darlamore School of Business okay. at the University cool. of South Carolina, which is U of SC. Uh, some people are upset about that. But I grew up in California, so USC right. is the other one. Uh, so I, I'm okay with. We just made that shift not too long ago. U of S- what is U yeah. of SC? Yeah. Wh- and where is it in the city? Uh, it's in downtown Columbia. Yeah. yeah okay. okay. Mm-hmm. And how many students do you typically have at once? Hmm. That's a good question. Kind of like thousands. No, more like maybe a hundred uh, a okay. semester. Yeah. So mm-hmm. they, when you're an entrepreneurship guy, you get students from all over kind of like reaching out and yeah, we have yeah. an honors college and I teach in the honors program in addition. So I'm, I think I'm the thesis advisor for 10 different students. Okay. So like in addition to all these okay. other things. And do people come in saying, I want to be a TikTok, how do I monetize my TikTok <laughs> business or how do I monetize on, I'm assuming everybody wants to do something online, right? There's a lot of that. Yeah. There's a lot of that. Typically, um, you know, students don't have a whole lot of lived experience. And so they are really looking at opportunities in their space. So yeah, TikTok is big um, or Instagram or some sort of some sort of influencer role. Mm-hmm. Uh, historically, most of the business opportunities are revolve around alcohol or travel or uh-huh. creating a new bar where, you know, a cool new type of alcohol is served, uh-huh. right? Or healthy vodka. Uh, I can't tell you how many different like types of vodka business people they just want to create. Yeah. Yeah. With like with electrolytes in it and that will reduce the hangover. Yep. Like, well, you can't, you know, did you test that? No. <laughs> well, then how, can, how are we going to claim that if we can't? Which, do you know what Pink Whitney is? Have you ever heard Pink of that? Whitney. The So Barstool Sports has a guy that used to play in the NHL, started his own vodka company, essentially, which is lemonade and vodka. And he calls it a Pink Whitney. Mm. But it's taken off and it's exploded because the branding is so good. I, I don't even think, I don't even, do you like the taste of no, it? No, no. I, I don't think anyone terrible. really likes the it's taste like of it It's like Mike's Hard much. Lemonade, basically, mm. but like but but pink. T- but, and less sugar. Well, I guess that's good. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> it's better for you, but it tastes, <laughs> tastes worse. While you're drinking poison, you might as well have it be less sugary. Poison. Yeah, that, well, so then that's that's interesting because we have all these all these people who want to do it. And then the guy that does it is just... A good branding guy in the NHL, I guess. Yeah. Well, and that's and that's a big part of it, right? Um, so that's this is maybe fast forwarding a little bit, but a lot of my teaching I try to center around how do we get students actually engaged? Obviously, that's that's a, a struggle, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but interested in what they're doing. Well, is well, is that I don't know. What's the engagement for? What's the engagement like now compared to when you started? That's a good question. I. I have, I've changed my classes a lot. Um, my courses, you know, when you're a grad student, they kind of hand you a syllabus and a slide deck and mm-hmm. say, don't spend any time on this, just kind of rinse and repeat um, because you're supposed to focus on your research, you know, your writing. Uh-huh. And so first couple of years I did that. I was like, man, I'm not loving this thing. 
And of course, with Google, the ability to copy answers or look at past yeah. exams. I mean, mm -hmm. it's, it's there's no way to monitor if someone like takes a quick photo of the exam, right? right and post right. it to a Facebook group that that is closed right. and they share and everyone yeah. in the class is on or all the right. cool kids. It, like that stuff just happens all the time. Yeah. So I, I was like, I'm going to make my classes Google proof. You know, so you could Google the class, like you could look up anything and if you don't know your stuff, it won't matter. Right. Randy um, used to do that. That's how he got through chiropractic school. <laughs> you know, the no, tests. Well, no, I, I, didn't, I didn't do that. Or, or maybe I didn't. I don't know. But, um, I, but I was the guy that would always just read the textbook. I wouldn't show up to class because, mm. and I think that was a frustrating thing for me because you could tell the person standing up at the front of the room didn't want to be there. Right. And you could tell the person that fronting, in the front of the room really didn't know what, know what they were talking about. They were just reading something that somebody else created. If you can't do teach, right? So, That's well, the, there, there the was that, statement, but, yeah. but, they, but now that you say that, it makes sense why they were just focusing on research because I would go, I was the guy that didn't show up to class, read the entire textbook, because remembered everything that I read and then would show up on test day and get an A and everybody else was pissed. Like you break you the curve. Yeah. Like that guy's your... why that guy didn't even show up and now he's getting an A. Right. I showed up every single class and you put something on the test that was out of the textbook, but you didn't explain it in class. Right. Mm -hmm. um, so I could see how that would, the way you're doing it changes the mold a little bit. Yeah. So I, I mean, I got bored teaching the topics, yeah. you know, three years into it. Right. What was the most boring? Uh, corporate strategy, at least the way it's taught. It's all about mergers and acquisitions. And yeah, the way the way you teach it is here are all here's 50 terms that you need to know. Like and then, you know, so okay, what's the difference between a merger and an acquisition? You know, the stuff doesn't matter. Just memory, yeah, just yeah, memorization. It's just memorization. And then it's like, oh, I'm gonna nail you on that multiple choice exam. <laughs> yeah. Because the merger is a subtype of acquisition. You know, it's right, just stuff like, like that kind of ridiculous. Got it. Um, so I, yeah, so I got rid of textbooks and I just give them, and I try to give them in multiple formats. I'll give them podcasts to listen to. Uh, one of my favorites is the Business Wars podcast. Oh. They'll go through um, good rivalries. Oh, so I haven't heard of that. Blockbuster like, versus Netflix. Oh. Um, what's funny about that one, it's, it's from the perspective of Netflix, but it evolves. It's no longer Blockbuster versus Netflix. Now it's HBO versus Netflix. Huh. Now it, and you know, if they were to keep doing the podcast, it would be Disney and Apple and Amazon. Right. Um, cool. But it's, I try to give them multiple formats, uh, you know, lots of YouTube lectures. And the idea is, you know, you, you figure out the concepts on your own, come to class. If you know, if you know the terms and how to roughly work with them, we're good to go. Mm -hmm. And then we try to, we apply it in the classroom. And so I, you know, I, I tell, well, I don't know if it, I feel bad if my MBA students are telling or listening. Uh, I tell them this is like master's level undergrad or master's because I expect roughly the same amount from each. Like right. I expect them to do the reading and then come to class and we'll talk and about show it. Up. Yeah. Because if I have to explain, I mean, the tool that's most well known is the Porter's five forces, right? There's these power substitutes, power buyers, suppliers, you know, competitive rivalry, et cetera. Most classes, it's like, all right, here's what this is. Here's an application. Check the box, and we're moving on. You can do that on Google. You don't need me to walk you through that. Right. There And there are actually better videos from people who practiced, and they'll have every word exact, right? It's They've nailed it down, and they make a living off making videos for this. Yeah. Can't really compete with that, because this is only one topic I'm doing, and 
you know, maybe I don't remember exactly how to teach this that day, right? That's, oh, I forgot that one aspect. Yeah. It's really important. And it, well, it must be a fine line though between them having to know what the vocabulary is. And I'm thinking for myself, if I'm talking to another chiropractor and they don't understand anterior, posterior, lateral, medial, sagittal, I you can't even speak the same language. Yeah. So nothing that I would say would make sense or nothing that I would write would make sense. So are you running into that as an issue? Yeah, but it's one of those, uh, you come to class expecting it's a regular class. And by day three, if you haven't been reading, you're just going to be lost. Right. Okay, and I a lot see. of the grade is participation, group projects. Mm -hmm. And so most students kind of realize like, oh, I have to actually try. Um, so I, I get told often that I'm their hardest class, but I'm like their favorite. So I, don't, I was voted the you know the best MBA instructor this last year. Really? So the first time for that. So that was kind of cool. Cool. But um, did you but, get a plaque? Did you get a plaque? Yeah. Golden yeah. apple. Yeah. Where a little did... glass plaque thing. Yeah. It's did in you my hang office. It up? Oh, okay. So I don't know. So what does a typical day look like for you when it comes to to teaching? Hmm. Just you just want my teaching life. Well, maybe or? take us. You wake up, you brush your teeth, yeah. <laughs> meditate yeah. into the universe and what caused it. No, um, yeah, that's a good question. So, so with teaching, it's so the MBAs take their classes at eight thirty in the morning. So I I'm up at six thirty, and I I purposely try to like not prep for class until right before. So it's all in the short fresh. Term yeah. Mm -hmm. And um, I, over the summer, I always retweak the, like all the syllabi and get rid of topics. We're adding a lot of sustainability topics to our, our kind of our core strategy courses right now. Yeah. Because this is what students are interested in. Mm -hmm. And so yeah, we've got some cool kind of cool cases and some new things that we'll do. I used to use Netflix a lot. And now Netflix is not as cool of a company. Everyone knows about it. And so it's like, all right, well, I got to you know, shift that out. And yeah. we used to have big debates about would Disney plus be successful or not. But due to COVID, it's like, eh, yes. Yeah. Right. I, right. They may not be successful in the long run because Disney seems to have lost some of their magic and in, in storytelling right. and creating these stories. Yep. But then again, they're big enough to buy talent. So they just look and see things and they'll just purchase them off the street. Yeah. Um, so what companies are you looking at right now? Hmm. Um, so there's, so it's it's a subsidiary of Kodak back in you know the film company Kodak. Yeah. Um, one of the they actually the inventor of digital film was worked at Kodak. Huh. They had a huge R and D lab, um, but if you, you know, as you can imagine, they were all chemical guys, right? And so the chemists were at the top of the food chain. Anyone else was kind of like secondary. So they came to management and said, "Hey, look, we've got this like really cool thing. I think we can." make this into a thing and Kodak was like what do we do with that we are a film company right like we you know we we make film that's mm -hmm. how we make our money Kodak moment um and so you know someone else invented it later or you know it got out right and then three years later five years later Kodak comes out with a a roll of film that's both digital and whatever it's called analog or chemical. Mm -hmm. So like you could take it to Walmart and get, but again, it's like too little too late, right? It's like, I don't, I don't want to do the, the digital or the film thing if I have digital. Right. Um, so we talk, we do a lot of this innovation discussion because yep. that's a, it was a disruptive innovation and it caught the industry totally off guard. Um, you know, if you are as a company, if you're defined by your product, like what you do, 
then new opportunities come up and you tend not to Can't, go after yeah. them. Right? Like a chiropractor. Right. We, we do adjustments. Right. It's like, well, hey, I've got this, you know, cryotherapy thing. Do you want to look at it? No, no, no. We just do adjustments. Mm-hmm. Um, even though most chiropractors I know are like, yeah, we're holistic health. Right. It's like, well, do you X, do you do X, Y, and Z? No. And obviously I'm not saying that everyone needs to do everything because that would be bad, but there, there are trends that you miss by being focused on, on the product or like, this is what we do. Defining yourself by the product versus your core values, your core values and, or your customer. Right. Right. So even though I talk about how I'm backpedaling from Netflix, Netflix has had three totally different business models. They were a DVD delivery company first, right? They had no original content, nothing, nothing digital. They just nailed that logistics game. And it was amazing. They would mail it to you in two days. It was mind blowing. And there were no fees. Right. Right. And like, yeah. And they, they just really nailed that. I forgot about that completely. Were they ever the box next to the grocery store too? That was a different, that was red box. Yep. Yeah. Okay. Just red box. Yeah. Um, and you know, blockbuster had the blockbuster hits, but Netflix didn't want to pay much money for the blockbuster hits. And so what they got good at was saying, all right, Tom, if you liked, you know, 007 and yeah. you know, fast and furious, you're going to like this new, you know, this, this indie movie or this like Chinese action movie that yep. you've never heard of because yep. it's not mainstream. Or popular right now and so they'd recommend it to you so they they developed this algorithm for how to huh. how to recommend new flicks that you wouldn't think about wow and so by doing that they got really close to customers and they you know over years they fine-tuned that so when they went digital they they had the website right they had this but that's a totally different model as well like streaming right like well all right let's worry about buffering times and do we get into you know, do we have, do we build things in the TV or do we, we have someone else do that? Like all of those discussions, totally different than the logistics mailing DVDs. Mm-hmm. So they did this huge shift, but they kept that algorithm side. And so it's like, hey, you like this? Hey, look, something else is cool. Um, they, they had so much, they collect so much data on us. Like if you watch something for a minute and then leave, they have that recorded. Like that's a special category. Of like you like the topic, but you where don't does like that the go? Yeah, how, how do they track that? Um, like, I don't know exactly how. Is there a way that I could find out what all I like if I wanted to find out about me? I don't know on Sorry. Netflix. I know on Instagram you can you can drill down and find like, like the labels that they've given really? you, or at least you could like six months ago. Huh. Um, with Meta being in charge, I don't know. You know, things have shifted. I'm sure, but so so Netflix. Yep. They kept that, like, really, they were a customer company. Mm-hmm. Like, they cared about the customer. And so it's like, all right, we're going to do no ads, which no one on TV ever did, right? We're going to take anyone's content and put it up there. There was what was called the Netflix effect, where a TV show would air, the first season would air on ABC or NBC, and it would do okay. And they'd send it to Netflix. And by the time the second season rolled out, they would have 5X the viewers, right? Because people had watched it on Netflix. Because Netflix was so good at knowing who to send it to, right? If you remember the way we used to watch TV, um, you know, it's like, all right, I've got Jeopardy at eight o'clock at night yeah. on Tuesdays, and I have this on this. If the show fell outside your window, or it's like I have soccer practice Thursday, right. so I never watched shows on Thursday. You know, you would never know about it. Sure. And they got really good at that algorithm. So then, of course, we all know this round three where they're making their own content. They had spent decades, well, maybe not that long, but a long time 
saying, well, we care about what the customer wants to see. So let's, let's build content Start for them. Movies. You know? And so they, they are in theory, at least better at knowing what customers want. Whereas Disney, they're going to get a certain amount of hits no matter what. Right. But they've struggled to create it. And so now they just look around and like, oh, Marvel's doing well. People like that. We'll just buy that. Star Wars. Right. Buy that. Like they just kind of are waiting to see what does well. And then they kind of riff off of that. So right. are they merging with or are they, they're, they would be technically acquiring Marvel. Yeah. Is so, there yeah, a subcategory so below acquiring? Uh, there's there's too many Lots categories. categories? Okay. I, I fell asleep in that class, so <laughs> <Okay>. I can't remember. <laughs> and I didn't read that textbook. So Well, <laughs> so I'm curious then, as I was thinking back to going to the video store and then they were all out. Yeah. Remember that? You yes. would, they would have the box, but there was nothing behind it. Just annoying. Mm-hmm. And then Netflix solved that problem. And then I think back to hate, how much I hated ads on television and ads on the radio and thinking to myself, if I can just find a way to avoid ads on television and ads on the radio, I'll be so much happier. And now I and now I have. I literally don't see or listen to an ad ever. If I get in my vehicle, it's not it's Spotify with no ads or it's a podcast. If I get in if I watch TV, it's Netflix or I guess if I watch YouTube, I, I try not to watch YouTube though because it has ad, ads. But I have I have YouTube Premium. YouTube Premium, yes, yeah, that so that's right. Because that's I, I don't just, have to watch yeah. that. And then cab drivers, I I just couldn't stand cab drivers, <laughs> um, which we even had. Remember, we had oh, <laughs> just yeah, meltdowns because they would they would say, "Oh no, we're not running the meter. You have to pay this much," or they would mm. say, "I'll be." You have to call them on the phone and you say, "I can be there in five minutes," and they'd show up in thirty minutes, and then they'd say. I don't know how much it's going to be. And then they would take the long way and it would charge you twice as much. And then Uber came along. So I'm curious if you're seeing anything in the space or if your students are identifying anything where they're 22 years old or 23 years old and thinking about something that they just can't stand and the innovation that hasn't been invented yet for that. Mm, that's a really good question. There, it's obviously hindsight is a lot easier than, you know, looking, yeah, into, looking the, into the crystal ball. Yep. Um, but with, with though, you know, the blockbuster, 20% of their revenues were from fees. So if you know, if, if a fifth like a of your money, fee? yeah, it oh. comes from, oh. from effing up your customer, yeah. right. Making them mad at you, then, you know, you're playing a really easy, it's a good sandbox, right? It's like, that's a good place to play. Of course, someone else came in and were like, we don't like those rules. We're going to do our own rules. And so you know, the floodgates yeah. left and by the time blocks were shifted over, it was too late. Mm-hmm. Um, like same thing with Uber, there are there are still some industries where the customer is not treated like the industry is not built around the customer, right? And so that's really where we we look at and kind of hypothesize like, all right, well, what's easy? I, health health and medicine is one of the ones we talk about a lot, right? right. There's it's it's really difficult to know um, or to go somewhere and get everything done. Like I, today, yeah. I had my annual checkup, right? And so it took a little bit of blood work. You know, they asked me if I, you know, what my history of cancer was and that's well, about I, it. I, yeah. Like I, I have nothing I can say. Yeah. My heart seems to be beating okay. My lungs are fine. And customer service is terrible in healthcare in oh. general. No, I actually had an appointment today for something else. Uh, we have all the kids we want. So I'll let you guess what that, what that consult was supposed to be, but someone booked me for something else. They're like, oh, well, you haven't seen this doctor yet. You have to go see a doctor first before you can do the consult. Yeah. Um, yeah, the customer service is horrible. The billing is ridiculous. Yep. 
Um, it's not transparent. There, there's so any any time that there's things like that, you know, mortgages recently have shifted a lot. Like Rocket Mortgage, there's a bunch of other similar companies that have made it way easy, and you can get a quote in an hour. You know, yeah. you don't have to wait two weeks, and you know they don't ping your credit every time. You know, like there's just all these pieces of of the world that um, are still really bad. Anytime you have government protection or like regulations saying that you can't get in here, like banking, things are slow. Yeah. But even with that, there are, there are new new banks, new types of banks. Um, so I think I think we're on the cusp of seeing a lot more innovation happening um, in like the human, you know, some of these spaces that haven't yet been touched. Right. Yep. Taxi, that was a that was a brutal battle for Uber to even make it. Yep. They had to subvert cities. Like they did all of these things to, you know, get yep. around regulations. Yep. Uh, it's like, you know, at New York you had to walk to this, you know, like outside of the county. Outside, or yeah. Like this other parking garage, mm-hmm. right? It's a five minute walk. Once you do, you can pick it up right away and you can go. Yep. So there's 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 a lot of things there. Obviously there's this web 3.0, which is again collecting data on your behaviors and what you like and mm-hmm. you know who knows where that stuff see i go. love the customization of that i like when the web knows who i am and offers me products he hates it he's like anti finger identity facial recognition uh i don't want anybody to know what state i'm in right now duck duck go versus google yes I love DuckDuckGo, by the way. And I, I just think, plug that I just think it makes it hard. Like, I think, here's my thought, is they already know a ton about him anyway. One, he's just making it harder for himself to find, like, here's the clothes I should I like to wear or the shoes I like. Yeah, it's, it's there's beauty in both, right? If, if you had lots of little companies knowing a lot about you, I'd be better with that than Apple or Google that's almost it, right? Knowing right. Everything, everything about right. it. Right. But, you know, I did, I got an Instagram ad today for um, these green smoothies that are organic and they use the farmer, like the ugly produce. Yeah, yeah. You know? Yep. And it's like, yeah, I know food waste is a problem because we don't want a cucumber that's shaped like a U. Right. And so they throw away half of or a third of their produce. Um, so it's like, yeah, we only take the ugly produce and we turn it into organic you know, green juice. So I was like, yeah, that's, that's exactly what I would like to buy. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's like no sugar added. Like, yeah, I don't want that blood sugar right. spike if I'm having a healthy drink. And then you're like, well, I, did I have a coffee or a, what did I just drink? Um, so it so, is nice, but I, yeah. But it, but it makes you want to buy things yes. and you're constantly, it's, it's almost like they find something that you want, but you can't afford. Mm-hmm. You look it up you can't afford it and then they just barrage you in every single different direction until you feel like you need it even though you can't afford it and then you buy it yeah and who know you know who knows if you really needed that that thing or that brand just because you looked up a pair of sneakers one day they bird dogs or, or what yes yeah, yeah yeah no and you get yeah now that i say that word i'm sure we'll all get ads for that yeah for sure um not i do like my bird dogs though um but i waited to like a word of mouth someone suggested i was like i like those pants it's like oh okay i'll go for that well and from a business perspective it's nice for us too because we i I love the ability to just say hey google let's we'll give you a hundred bucks put us in front of these people or hey facebook will put you in put us in front of this these people so i also see the benefit in that i just don't necessarily love it being 
He doesn't like Shut. getting controlled by the man on the I, I don't like someone else putting stuff in my head. I like to put my own stuff in my no, head. No, and we, I mean, we're going through, our, this is, all this stuff is so new, right? And you yeah. can kind of pick what, like how it matters, right? Mm-hmm. Is like, is my my radiation in my phone, is that going to cause right. cancer? Mm-hmm. Right. We don't really know, right? And from that to what does social media do for your brain? What does it do to have all these ads? Like, there are so many things that we are getting away from what we were evolved or designed for however yeah you, yeah however yes. you think about it we are the way we are um and we're just not we're not built for all the stimulus yeah um you know companies that grow over 150 people like inevitably struggle with culture because you know there's that dunbar's number where you only you can only have like 150 friends like people that you I think their definition is people that you actually care about. Yeah. Like you know them and some details about. Some people, of course, are better at others at knowing names and, and whatnot. But you you, know, you grow outside a certain thing and you just feel like a cog in the wheel. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter if Target's a great company and you make a lot of money working there. So you just feel like a little piece. Right. This, you know, it's like that Incredibles. You know, the company is like a clock. Um <laughs> I, I like I, 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 don't, do you? I, I have, don't know that. I have four little kids. <laughs> yep. So I've seen Incredibles. An incredible amount of times. Um, So people, you know, this is one reason I I try to push students towards smaller companies is there's just so much more job satisfaction working at a smaller firm. Mm -hmm. Um, Even like big hospital versus small medical practice. It's like you're going to life is so much better at a smaller place. They know you. They care about you. Um, Obviously, and you're struggling, I'm sure, with this, like all small businesses are. It's like, well. We don't have the efficiencies yet. Like there's, you know, there's this this middle ground where um, companies fail a lot, right? In between the really small stage and that, you know, hundred people, fifty people. Sometimes they define it by how much you have in revenue um, stage. Where there's, it's it's like you have to have a good idea that gets you a company, but you have to be good at managing things to get to that next level. And that's just not man- it's not only managing supply chain. It's training like well how how do we train how often do we train who trains um there's a whole lot of there's a whole lot of that going on and yep. it, people are not machines mm-hmm. and yet a lot of our psychology literature like a lot of the way that we've like we study people we look at people kind of in situ them alone right and say all right well if i do this to you by yourself randy what are you going to do but we're not alone. We right. don't make decisions alone. Mm-hmm. You know, we hardly ever do something by ourselves. Yeah, we are community-driven beings. Um, so this is again. I'll I'll say this, and I'll maybe try to jump back to that, like the classes and like what I'm doing. Yeah. But you know, a lot of our, if you look at, you go all back all the way back to like the Greeks, right? But our scientific, the way our scientific method, um, we use a reductionist method, right? So it's like let's re- let's reduce things down to their root cause. Like what's the causal mechanism? Yeah. I'm looking for one thing that causes heart attacks. turns out you look at all the factors and it's like, oh, cholesterol. Like it's gotta be that. That's the only thing that people that have heart attacks, they have a lot of cholesterol. Um, You read it, you know, so it's like, okay, that must be the causal mechanism because that's how we're designed to work. turns out, um, at least not from me, right? People who know a lot more about this than I do. There's a book called The Truth About Fat yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. Read about it. Oh, yeah. Really fun discussion about 
how theories become facts and facts become dogma and dogma can't be changed until it's totally wrong. I've had arguments with like my yeah doctor friends about eggs and it's like yeah yeah i'm like hey no if you look at the i know your textbook when you were a medical student right this yes you look at the last 10 years cholesterol does not have a causal effect the whole point of this is like the way we study like we study cells is we put a cell by itself in a little petri dish Mm -hmm. what if i poke it with this what happens yeah cells don't don't do that like nothing is alone right and so this whole reductionist method it's gotten us really far as a as humanity of like boiling things down to the root causes and classifying based on types but i think the next evolution of science will be this um like what's called complexity theory or thinking about things within a system mm-hmm, right. right and you guys study the body you know that you know you could adjust people all day but there are other things that if they don't right. fix it's like that problem's going to come back right or this this was leading to your heart beating funkily, but hey, guess what? You're also super stressed at work, and so I could adjust you every single day. Right. But if you're gonna blow your top, or eat like crap, or yeah, like crap, yeah. or and you can, or you're alone all the time, right. and you don't feel like anyone cares about you. There, you know, you put someone in, you know, isolation is the worst form of prison torture. Yeah, because that's we're just not built for that. That's, yeah. Um, so that's good, and right? yet we study people alone in a room at a desk in a white room. You right. Know, like we just it's how they test medications as well it's like one medication but the average person's taking five so right how do they interact right i, don't know. I didn't i didn't have mm-hmm. to develop i don't mm-hmm. have to look at the interactions right mm-hmm. this yep this complex theory or studying systems is just not we're not there yet yeah it's so good and that's i mean literally that's chiro- like that's how i what made us fall in love with chiropractic is like factoring in the whole body we're looking at the main mechanism of a system that controls everything in the nervous system but we care about every component of what's going to affect the body. And we think of it, we broke it down to like there's chemical interference, there's emotional interference, and there's physical interference. And that is how we build disease is we we interfere with our whole system in one of those ways or all of those ways. Um, and then it's just unwinding it down to like, all right, let's keep removing interference from the body until it does what it ultimately is supposed to do, which is heal. Yeah. And and the most recent one too, back to your health model, is this depression idea where for years a person is, oh, I feel sad. They go to a psychiatrist. They say, oh, you're depressed. It must be a serotonin imbalance. Mm -hmm. Here's a drug that regulates serotonin without even thinking about, oh, you just went through a bad breakup and your parents are going through a divorce and you've been eating terribly and you haven't slept in months and you're overworked and you just had a loved one die and your dog's about to die. And, oh, it's a serotonin issue. And now it's coming to light that it's not even a serotonin, there's not even a serotonin issue. Everything's coming up saying, we've been duped this whole time. Mm -hmm. There was not a serotonin issue. We've been giving a drug for something that wasn't actually uh, a chemical imbalance in the brain. Yeah, and again, it's cause cause or effect, right? It's like, yes, we but we noticed in the studies that if you looked at 50 depressed people a lot of them had lower serotonin than others okay that's got to be that's got to be the causal mechanism it's like right yeah, maybe and there are you know these drugs don't work for everyone they only work for a small percentage of people and so yeah maybe the ones that it works for are great but is that because there's a biomarker like there must be other reasons right. why maybe that worked and then it's kind of defining what does it mean it works? Like you just feel better? Because like cocaine makes you feel better. <laughs> but that doesn't get you healthier. Yeah. And if, 
you know, it's all it's based great... on yeah what metrics they want to decide and then they go with that well and there's a black box warning on them that says this drug for depressed people makes you more likely to commit suicide or homicide on the box there's a black box warning so at some point someone said well we're going to give this to people who are depressed hoping it makes them less depressed but it may make them Kill incredibly themselves. violent yeah. yeah yeah no there's a and and hate myself i can't remember the name of the company um there's this company started by veterans uh we have we've had a couple of special forces people or guys come through yeah uh, our mba program and you know these guys they're they're doing the you know they put the grenades on the door and like they blow right. the door in and so they have huge concussion issues yeah yeah um and so even though they're fit as f you know physically yeah they have a lot of issues right and right. so this guy um, had a beautiful family, a couple kids, and he just was not, he could not get out of that mental pattern. And so he took um, like DMD, I think, or, you know, one of these, you know, psilocybin like drugs. Yeah. And he. Um, which is, like, which is for people that don't know that is like a psychedelic. Yes. Right. It's, yeah. Is it mushrooms? Mm -hmm. Yeah. yeah. Okay. I think mushrooms. Um, what, anyway, he, he took this and his depression was gone. And he was like, whoa, like, what's going on here? Mm -hmm. And again, but these drugs have been outside the norm. Turns out they, it's what it looks like they do is they help you think down different pathways, right? You think your brain is a mountain or a hill. You go sledding down the, I know we don't have snow down here, but yeah. people, listeners still know what snow is. Yeah. You know, you, it forms ice, right? If you go down the same path, it's icy. And that's Fast. kind of how our mental thoughts work, right? You can go into, get into those. Meditation is supposed to help a lot with that. According to some studies, psilocybin is like throwing six feet of powder on your, like on that mountain or on that hill. Wow. So it, it doesn't get you outside, but you now have the chance to think differently. Carve a different path. Yeah. yeah. So he's got this program where they go to Costa Rica and, you know, they have these, these vets will, will spend a weekend retreat. And uh, I just talked to another one who just did it. And um, he's like, yeah, life changing. Like, yeah. I, I think differently now. <clears throat> he's like, what, you know a small stressful situation for you would be a life or threat. Like it would feel to me like it's life or death, mm -hmm. you know, because they were so many of the situations. So anyway, long, long story short, um, there's, there's so much there that we are still learning and trying yeah. to figure out. And so to be dogmatic about, well, this has to do this. Uh, clearly depression is a complicated, complicated mm -hmm. beast. But if you're only treating this one chemical imbalance, I mean, I have a lot of family members who are on antidepressant meds and it's like, no, my brain's broken. It's just, my brain doesn't work right. And it's like, maybe, you know, but maybe it's also like, let's look at the food. Right. You know, you should at least be trying to go less processed, right? Let's get rid of vegetable oils. Um, are you sleeping? Right. Right. Are you moving? I get rid of like running. Just, are you walking? Right. Like, does your body move? Our bodies were designed to move. to move and if you yep. stop moving you stop feeling good um there's not even a serotonin test level or baseline level so you can give someone you can tell someone that their brain is unbalanced with serotonin without even doing a test to find out if their serotonin levels are actually yeah. higher or not it's just a questionnaire they yeah fill out this survey and yeah. this will determine your brain levels of serotonin well and so so that's like a very bad level right another level is like bmi I walk into the doctor today. She's never seen me before. And she was like, oh, they told me your BMI was high. 
And uh, wait, is that how she greeted you? Yeah, that's what she said. Like, oh, I, I, and I'm like, well, I'm not huge, but like, I would like to lose a little bit of weight. I'm just a little bit more muscly than the average guy who's 5'8. Um, and so, you know, we just laugh because sometimes the standard that you come up with is a bad standard. Right. Right. Like, what's unhealthy for, for me versus my wife? And, you know, obviously, even just men versus women, body fat percentage is totally different. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Right. Women typically, we need, twice as much as we do to like at the lower levels to be healthy. Mm -hmm. um, anyway, so there's just so many things like that. So like getting that back to the business and when yeah. we do a business school, you know, I, we talked about like the five forces or like there are a lot of skills that we do really well, you know, like let's focus on, on sales or supply chain. How do we make that more efficient? Yeah. How do we do X, Y, Z? We can do that pretty well. Cause a lot of times it's just, you put in a formula roughly and you, you know, solve it out. That's what I was wondering if there's frameworks that you use and teach in, in the business world. There are, and there, um, a number of them are really good, but, it, but because I'm teaching strategy or, or entrepreneurship, there's not a set formula. Like you can, there are a lot of mistakes that every business makes that you can avoid, right? Let's not do those. Um, but different, different frameworks will totally fail depending on the application. Right. Um, and so you have to know how to how to apply the frameworks. Yeah. So again, that's why I front load the what it the learning the what, and we focus on the why and the how. But is there a way to dissect a business where you would look at it and like and go? Um, I don't I don't know if it's it's called inductive or deductive reasoning where you start with like this is a product based business and a, or a service based business like it's an A or a B. Mm -hmm. And then from that, you'd go, okay, it's a product-based business. And then from that, you'd have two more choices. Is it a B2B or a B2C? C. Mm -hmm. And is that is there stuff like that where you could take, say, like our, the chiropractic organization and, and like start with some truth of like, who are you guys? And if we're like, well, we're, we're really a customer service, you know, service-based industry – and then funnel that down to here's what framework or formula would work best in the customer service model or so the answer is, is no um like the short answer okay um at least not anything that's really good um again this is kind of that that greek scientific thinking of yeah. here's the world let's drill it down to this type and once we know the type can we now solve sure. for that that variable right um there are a lot of truths that are kind of that seem to be mostly true for most firms. Yeah. Um, but because there's no, again, business is a complex system, and there's you can't solve for a complex system in the same way. Hmm. Then most companies just look at benchmarking, right? They say, "Who are our peers? How are they doing? Are we better or worse than them?" Um, you know, I sit on a couple boards, and you know, a lot of the board meetings are. Like, here's the budget last year. Here's what we expected our right, revenue to be. Right. Here's what it is now. And it's like, well, why do you expect labor to be 13% of your overall budget? Which you, is what you it's always down. been. Yeah, or you, that's yeah. how yeah. other people Back do enough, it. It's like, well, we were at 15 and we thought we could get it down a couple percentage points. And it's like, well, but you're a service-based business. And in, now if you're dealing with products, you can often forget people, right? People didn't matter um, for, for most product companies, it doesn't really matter who the people are. Is that what a franchise would be? 
not to interrupt, but like, is that like say McDonald's are, would they be considered a product based business? Yeah. And then that's why they can have a 17 year old, you know, run the operation, quit the next week and hire a new 16 year old and then it just keeps going. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. I mean, that's, um, they, they may be trying to get out of that or shift focus, but that's why, you know, in Seattle, they raise the minimum wage and McDonald's like, oh, we'll just, we'll just use the iPad. Like they really don't need anyone right, there. Right. If the app is good enough, you have, yeah. you have two people working there. And if there's a problem, they come out and solve it. But you flip that with Chick-fil-A, who definitely is More a product co- company, yeah. but they've differentiated themselves based on customer service. Language and things like that. Yeah. And, you know, there's the, you know, pleasure the, to it's my pleasure. Or it's right? my like, pleasure. My yeah. pleasure is a that's different than you're welcome or of course, right? Mm-hmm. Some people will say, of course. And it's like Okay. You know, yeah. but, but they have, and this is why there's no great solution because both of those companies have made, have made a lot of money. Um, arguably Chick-fil-A, Chick-fil-A is each store. If you're a store owner, you make more money than you would as a McDonald's owner almost across the board. But that's partly because Chick-fil-A just dominates. Yeah. It's, if you want to get into a food franchise, well, that's the place to go. And it kind of, well, it almost feels like there's, it's different markets of people almost. It's kind of like Target versus Walmart. You can tell that there's just different markets of people that go to those stores. So it's funny how we're like coming up with, <laughs> so, so you ask what companies we talk about. Yeah. It's like Netflix, we're going to talk about Target, we talk about Chick-fil-A. Um, I try to give a, like a broad, talk about Tesla, a broad, yeah, like lots of, we talk about some clothing design companies as well, yeah, so that there's this broad spectrum. But it's like, who, who is your customer? What do they care about? And if you can drill into that, it can be in a huge difference. So Target uh, was getting destroyed by Walmart for 20 years, right? Walmart started in the 60s. They're mm-hmm. killing it through the 80s and 90s. Um, you know, it was really, there were three companies, Kmart, Target, and Walmart. Yeah. Kmart's gone um, because they tried to compete against Walmart at the low cost game. Mm-hmm. And Walmart just, they optimized the to the max degree yeah they were so good and once you get so much scale they could knock half a percent off something it's like oh that's a hundred million dollars right because when you make you have that much sales it turns into a lot of a lot of profits over time right so target what they did in the early 2000s was say man we're losing this game what can we do and so they said all right who are our real customers like who are our best customers turns out it was women middle-aged or not middle-aged middle um middle market Middle class? Middle class, thank yeah. you. Yeah, I, I knew that was something like that. <laughs> yeah. um, so middle class women, 35 to 50, 55. Mm-hmm. And so they said, all right, let's double down on these people. What do they care about? And so like, well, yeah, what, what do you like? What do you care about in a store? It's like, well, I if I want to do the grocery store, I'd like everything in one small, I, you know, I need to do this. I'm kind of busy. Right. I'd like extra, more frozen, like options for frozen food. You know, so you can see that they've tailored it to that. They also like brands with yeah. limited runs. And so, you know, there's yeah. the Magnolia, the Waco, Texas, yeah. you know, Magnolia brand. It's co-branded with Target because guess what? All of these women love Same chip to watch Joanna. that show. Yeah, my, my wife does too. Um, this is just kind of, but you'd love to get like a limited run of her plates, right? Rather than, I can go to Walmart and find them for, for less or right. Amazon now, right. who's kind of beating Walmart at its own game. But with Target, they're they're just playing a different game, mm-hmm. and yeah. so that's the only company that Disney sells their own products at is uh-huh. Target, right? They have a lot of experiences. They, you know, all of 
everything that they've done is kind of tailored to this group. There's a Starbucks there. Right. Turns right. out women, that's it's like, the, hey, I would love have. to, yep. why, why not just grab Starbucks as I'm walking in or yep. walking out? Yep. Um, and they, Tom goes, you go to start. You go I to might Target be a middle a class bit. woman <laughs> at age 35. You just described it ta- every Saturday for Tom. I watch, I watch the same show. <laughs> so and that's not to say that there are other people that would fit in, but they, but they drill down on who, who they really liked, who was really good for them. Yeah. And said, all right, we're going to get rid of, we're not going to do the super low cost stuff. We're not going to do the super high end stuff. You know, we're not going to dance, you know, between, we're not going to have Louis Vuitton and, our own target brand of right, right. the same store. Yeah. Um, so again, is is all about that. Who's the customer? What do they care about? Yeah. And so, you know, that's just problem solving. Really, yeah. it's saying yeah. creativity and saying, well, what's the real, what's really behind this? And well, that kind of ties yeah. into uh, uh, my one question was, when does Wendy's, when does a business recognize it needs to pivot, and and are there in your opinion, what are the main metrics or dashboards that businesses should look at? I guess those are two kind of maybe separate thoughts. Yeah, that's a good question. A lot of it comes down to your to your goals and your values, right? Mm-hmm. Like, are you, you know, if you're if you're a business owner, you're, you're looking to say, hey, I'd like to grow. Then the first thing I would ask is like, all right, well, what really matters to you? Right. Like, are you um, hoping for community involvement? Are you hoping to give your people like a great wage yeah. or are you just looking to make a lot of money? Everyone wants some money, and but, then you, it, yeah. but there's usually more. It's like, no, I, I would rather, you know, I would love to have a really powerful effect on XYZ. I'd love to have 10 times the number of people using Cairo right. in Colombia. It's like, all right, if that's, if that's really what drives you. Um, then that's going to be a slightly different business model than, you know what? I just really want to have my Fridays off and not work any Friday. You know, and and that's a completely and that kind of determines your dashboard of what you what's important. Now, yeah, of course, you know, efficiency and hiring people, no matter what, turnover costs you way more than you realize. Right. Like everyone who's owned a business, we feel that you feel it. Right. It's like six weeks, sometimes six months, depending on who you lost before you get back up to where you were. And so. Uh, you know, like I was telling you about the service company, I said on the board, the 13%, I was like, you're a service company where your product is the guy who's knocking on someone's door, selling this thing or building or repairing this house. Like that's, it's, it's probably okay for you to pay 10% more than the market does mm-hmm. because this is really what you're going for. And guess what? If you have people and they're, they're no, they know you, they know the process, they have your values, they're in sync with what you care about, then you're not going to have to deal with warranty issues because the guy's going to, if he realizes it's, eh, I'll leave it there. Right. And I'll, I'll, I'll run away. Um, he won't leave that there. He'll, he'll fix it yep. even if it costs more money. Right. And so the, the best companies have been those that can create a culture. Like this is the Southwest of the world. They, they create a culture that is truly aligned to their values. Um, and then they optimize on that. Right. And you could, we could give, 50 examples of companies who are really good at that. And so at any level, I would, I would always like, that's if I, I I go out and they do, I do like a culture survey is one of the first things I do. Yeah. I interview kind of like cross, cross channel. So like I would interview, you know, you two, and then I would go all the way down to Dalen. Dalen. Yeah. Yeah. Brand new. She's working here. She's part-time, you know, and I would say like, what's your, what's your strategy? You know, what is it like to work here? What are you here for? What do you think the company cares about? 
Um, you know, and because she's going to, you may say, oh, well, we really care about spreading joy. And she may feel it's like, oh, they only care about nickeling and diming people and right. whatever, right? Yeah. And maybe if she's on collections or billing, that makes more sense, right? But having people, again, we're humans and we like to have, this, the reason Marvel does so well is we, we love a hero, we love a story, we love these things. So if you can make, build that into your business at some level by having values and like, we're gonna make trade-offs based on this value. Like if we really value our people, then, you know, we'll give them flexibility in their schedule or, you know, someone, you know, says they need to make more money. It's like, all right, well, we'll have a real discussion about that. Mm -hmm. Like, um, it's worth it to us to do that. Um, a lot of people, a lot of, you know, employees like to have mobility, like they want to move up. And, and so it's all about kind of yeah. how can we know who we are? Because you can get rid of, you can get rid of a whole lot of like benefits that people don't care about. Right. If, if they don't, right? But it's it's all about what do people care about and what do we care about? And again, are we looking to have 20 different stores here or 20 different locations? Yeah. Or would we rather have five that are just like killer mm -hmm. and then not work so hard, that's you know? True. And so it's, again, that's the that's the hard thing about asking for a metric. It's like, well, what, what do you care about? And, you know, maybe you don't grow by location so much, you grow in terms of expanding out. It's like, well, we'd rather, yeah. I'd rather offer a holistic service. Then more of the same thing. Yeah, then yep. more of the same thing. Rather than franchise it out, we're gonna have, we're gonna create something that no one has ever done before. Mm -hmm. I, so I'm curious then as you're teaching students, and it seems to me like there's a big difference between age groups, but in shorter spans now. So the 31-year-olds that I hire are very different than the 28-year-olds who are extremely different than the 23-year-olds. And I'm wondering if that's, if the businesses you're seeing are seeing that trend where it used to be, well, there's the baby boomers and then there's the, this 20-year gap, then there's the millennials grouped in 20 years together and then there's Gen Z grouped in together. But I'm finding it's not a very good description of the difference between a 32 year old and a 23 year old no i i agree um across the board everything is moving faster right it used to take 50 years for a company to to reach a billion dollars in sales um and now you know facebook does it in five years right, right. and then now TikTok did it in two or whatever the company like everything is moving faster and so yeah even the generational gaps you see a difference between like my freshmen and my seniors even like there are that, yeah. there are slight differences there definitely between the MBAs, and sometimes there's only three years difference between yep. the MBAs and the undergrads, right. um, and so like yeah, how do you teach to this? And for me, it's like people and culture and things are shifting. There are some things that are always true, and so it's like I know students would students love to 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 feel to feel like they're in charge of their education, and so giving them projects where they can dive in and help a real company. Like across the board, all students like to be involved in something real. Then here's a simulation that I, you know, that I, I again, a lot of teachers who teach my class, it's like, I'm just going to do a simulation. Uh, no work for me, right? You play the same game. I've seen this game a hundred times. I yeah. know the winning strategies and that's all, right? And you just, you just like rinse and repeat every time. So it's more work to find companies and say, all right, well, who can we partner with and how can we get this done? But across my, like all of my classes, we do some element of consulting. Um, even if it's just like 
analyze the culture of this company or something. Yeah. Because it's only in looking at a real company that you start to say, like, there's a mind shift, right? It's this is it goes from on the in the textbook to real life. I I do see more and more from students that they want to they want to make an impact and they want to see something real. Like this is actually happening, mm-hmm. um, which is why I think corporations are struggling and will continue to struggle more and more because they they're just not flexible enough to like match that. Yep, I agree. And and I think there was even a point where in the last few years where people were saying, wait a minute, I've worked for this company for thirty years. And all of a sudden, they're mandating this, um, whatever you call it, they're mandating this thing on me. I've been here for 30 years. If I don't do this medical thing, they're going to fire me after that. And realizing, well, maybe I should be consulting or maybe I do need to learn how business works so I can do it myself and not rely on someone else and having to do whatever, you know, whatever they're acquiring. Right. And so, you know, even though I teach entrepreneurship and I run the center, my the goal my goal isn't that everyone goes and starts their own company granted at 22 you have the most freedom to that mm-hmm. and yet you also have no experience right um so it's probably better that they go work for 10 years right gain some knowledge see what they care about what they like how they like to work and then start their own firm but what i would like is that they've got there's the seed that we plant that like hey it's possible to do your own thing like it's possible to go outside the norm to create you know to shift industries to to do something different. And because they've worked with, they've done enough problem solving and consulting, it gives you a lot of confidence mm-hmm. to, especially like for the consulting club that I work with, this Gamecock Consulting Club, where every semester we're working with different companies in totally different industries. We've done glass recycling, ash recycling, title insurance. Um, we did a crawl space medic, mm-hmm. which is a really cool local mm-hmm. company. Yeah. Um, so we've, we've done electric firm, like it's, it's just this last year. Um, so the very different firms and yet, you know, if you have the right tools and it it really depends on the question, right? Like we can kind of help you really out. Like if you'd like to know where to go, like Mm -hmm. what location to choose, there are metrics and tools to say, all right, well, we could find you a good location based on traffic patterns and. Where do your people live? And like identifying your ideal customer, they live around here, they shop around here. Here's probably a good location yeah. type of thing. Like that's, yeah. you know, and that's a, that's a narrow problem, yeah. but on the, like, how do I grow or what do I, you know, do I, is my team sufficient for where we want to go? Like those are, right. those are harder questions that like you have to have more experience before you can help out with. Yeah. But giving them the opportunity to think about that at yeah. that different level, just places them in a different mindset. Mm-hmm. And changes. Are mind. there a list of books that you um, refer to or recommend to your students in the entrepreneur kind of world, like Entree Leadership or Traction or E Myth? Yeah, there's a lot of good books. Um, yeah, I mean the E Myth is a good one, mm-hmm. right? Teaches you that um, all about the value of your time, right? If you can get, but again, this is the 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 thinking behind that is. You're hoping to scale up something a lot yeah. so that you can get out or not be involved. That's what I think his concepts were. You're either you're either building this to sell it or to duplicate it. Though that's kind of what the book narrows it down to is like if you're gonna start a business, you either gonna sell this thing or duplicate it. And therefore the emphasis is on like systems and time and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Which I mean, those are every business could do better at that. Yeah. Right. Because if your processes are nailed down such that you could duplicate it or sell it off it's going to be easier to be trained right someone comes in they know what to do um and so 
like that's not a bad thing for anyone. So that's a good that's a good thing to look at. Um, Steve Blank wrote this business model canvas. Um, it's kind of like a handbook. A lot of pictures, mm -hmm. lots of companies. Oh, nice. We do that. That's one of the one of the big frameworks on the entrepreneurship side that we work with a lot because it analyzes the business. It breaks it down into really three main things. There's um, desirability. Do people like this? Um, there is viability, like will it make money? Mm -hmm. And then there's feasibility, can you do this? Mm -hmm. Or, And you know, those are three different things, right? You may have, maybe very feasible for me to open a hot dog stand right off south of campus, <laughs> right? I could probably make a little bit of money because it costs so little to get started. Go to Costco, grab some dogs, but it's like, all right, is, is anyone want that? Is that desirable at all? Mm -hmm. And so there are, you know, there's many more subcategories down that. But if you walk through those three things with anyone, it's like, okay, well, maybe that's desirable. Um, so we do, we profit or we, we partner with nonprofits. Um, our center just launched a veterans entrepreneurship clinic, which is a free six week program where they show up and on Saturdays and Monday evenings, we help, like we walk them through this, this, this framework so wow. they can test their model and you know, improve it. And then the way we've structured it is so that it ends right as classes start. So it ends in mid-August. And we talked about students and travel, travel slash beer slash mm -hmm. pubs. Um, their capstone class has historically been like, all right, Randy, go start your own business, right? Or dream up your own business. And that's a good, some, for some students, that's great for mm -hmm. maybe 20%. The other 80 have no ideas and so they come up with something they kind of half ass it yeah yeah it's just not great and so with us it's like well hey rather than do that um we have the veterans that come up with like a, a cool idea or you know a good idea they they pitch it to the students and then we'll get student groups working with them and we also have these nonprofits who do the same thing um, one of the nonprofits we're working with this fall is a cancer recovery clinic or wants to be um and she has all these ideas of like what to do, uh, you know, from horses to bees to, you know, infrared sauna and group therapy. I mean, really, but it's a cool holistic yeah, yeah. sort of thing. I think we, awesome. the three of us would geek out over. Um, but in terms of a business model, it's like, okay, well, let's, uh, what else is out there? Like, do you need to do all of those? Mm -hmm. What's the most, the equestrian side is going to be pretty expensive. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, you need to have a full-time trainer. These people aren't cheap. Horses aren't necessarily cheap. So it's like, you could do all these, but how do we do that? Like, what's the best order? Mm -hmm. How do we walk through that? And so that's, we kind of help these non, these budding nonprofits come up with a business model. There's a, the reason we did that is the law clinic, the law school has a nonprofit clinic where they'll do all their filing paperwork. Um, but again, it's hard for these law students to, like, they can't advise on that, right? And as a lawyer, you can't give legal advice right. unless you're an expert. So, um, we are partnering with them. So they have the law student side where the, they will help them with trademarks and filing paperwork and everything. And then they're working with us at the same time to help narrow and shift and scope that business model. Hopefully so it's a little bit tighter, yeah. right? Because it's easier to do paperwork mm -hmm. for that. It's like, well, what liability insurance do we need or how much? Well, if it's just gonna be infrared sauna, it's like, that's gonna be easy. If it's, they're gonna be riding horses and doing a gym and going to sauna and doing ice baths right. and all these other things, you might want to like double down on that that liability insurance mm -hmm. or what certifications do you need, et cetera. Got it. So again, mm -hmm. it's like this, how do students think? How do they learn? 
we get them excited about something real where they make a big impact. And it doesn't really matter how old my student is, they're excited about that. Um, I do feel like the younger they are, the more, the better they are at self-learning. Um, it just has to be in short segments, mm -hmm. you know? And so if a video is over 15 minutes long, no one's watching that. Right. Uh, so it's like, you know, I find YouTube clips or find ways to like break it up, you know, on, on YouTube, you can start a video halfway through. So like, I've, yeah. I've had to like shorten <laughs> start it. Yeah. I have, may have twice as many things, but it's all shorter. Sick. Right. Yep. And so, I mean, maybe that's attention span. It may just be different learning styles. I don't know. Try not to be too pejorative, right? For how people like to learn, but not that's all of cool. us are, are yep. you know, is, is there different words that you use? Cause I'm always interested in the younger generations vocabulary. Mm. Or I was always trying to make the word slaps work, like that slaps. <laughs> have you heard that before? I have heard that before. Yeah. Maybe on and this I, podcast. I like that one. <laughs> that might be where. Um, but is there terms that are being used right now in the business world by 22-year-olds that maybe we don't know about? That's a good question. Um, there's a lot of social media, like, specific lingo that I still, I don't know. like, yeah. I'm figuring out or learning. Um, but, like... People will throw in things like click-through rates, and it's like if you don't know what that means, you know, yep. you you may struggle to catch right. up. Yep. Um, so there's a lot of little pieces. Tech, like that. Yeah, technology verbiage probably. But it, and again, for me, it's like what's what's timeless? What will always be there? People will always have problems, mm -hmm. and if you can understand a human better, you can solve the problem better. And so, like at the end of the day, everything boils down to that. So I, I confess that I don't. Do you, like, do you I, no, I don't know, and I don't know either. So it's, it's a hard, <laughs> yeah, hard thing. Now, <clears throat> what are, you're currently doing research? So I'm not, or not. So oh, I okay. have. So with this this new role, the director, I I got rid of so all like, that stuff. Yeah, oh, nice. Jumped off the tenure track. I wasn't going to make it anyway because I didn't care about writing research papers. Yeah. Um, gotcha. So yeah, so I so I have shifted, and I am a lot happier in this yeah. role because yeah. again, it's. With, with in the world of academia, tenure is like the holy grail because no one can fire you and you can do whatever right, you want. Right, right. And, you know, I, I learned pretty quickly into this, like, I don't care. <laughs> like, I, yeah. I don't want to be a slave to something or like either an right. idea or a methodology or a theory or people uh, or all of those mm -hmm. to get this thing. How, and how did that become a thing? Where it's like, once you hit this threshold, they can't get rid of you? It or makes, it has to be egregious makes, that some, you have to do something. It makes more sense in the hard sciences, um, especially even with the teaching model, right? Yeah. If you have a Nobel laureate chemistry professor, yeah. you really don't want him teaching chemistry 101 to undergrads. Right. Like you would want, or let's say her, right? I think I've used all guys' references. Mm -hmm. You know, you would like her to focus on PhD students. Like she doesn't have to teach undergrads. Right. She just does research. <clears throat> if she brings in grants, she can buy off buy herself out of teaching at all. And so what what they do? I mean, it's kind of a pyramid scheme where you have one faculty member, two postdocs, six to eight PhDs, and then a you know a host of masters and undergrad students working for them, um, which makes life suck if you're a PhD student or postdoc. Right, I have right. friends who have been postdocs for ten years. And they're just waiting for that chance to rise up. Wow. But we've kind of, that model has shifted over everywhere. And in business, it just doesn't make sense. Like mm -hmm. business schools, we make money 
we, we survive off teaching people. Mm-hmm. Um, you don't go to me because I started a business. Like most of our professors have not. Right. Um, and if you look at only those with PhDs, it's very, very, very small. So it's one of those like, well, we had to design the system for everyone and it's fair, but I, um, I'm not convinced that, that this is the best way to go. Yeah. Our, our business research in the 80s you know, Harvard Business School was like mass layoffs are the thing. This is how you cost cut is you do mass layoffs. Um, but we we've killed um, people don't trust companies anymore like this. You, know, you can get fired for not having a shot. It's like, really? This, right. But this is this started 30 or 40 years ago when our research came out like, hey, this is a great way to make things happen. Um, and so Harvard Business School has kind of killed business culture. People used to be like, oh, I'm an IBMer for life. You right. know, and, and now people are at, they'll go from seven to 12 jobs, you know, in a, in a lifetime. Yeah. And it, that number keeps going up. Sometimes in it, two years, they'll go to seven <laughs> to 12 jobs. They will. Yeah. It's, and then that's one of those things where it's just happening more and more and more and it's just going crazy. So it's, again, if you can like the Chick-fil-A model versus McDonald's, if you as a business owner can find a way to, you know, hire people that match your values or that match the company values and you match those. And you're willing to really play ball, which means you don't swing at certain things, right? We're not going to go there. Um, Like we won't work Saturdays, right? I don't want to make my people come in on Saturday. I don't want to come in Saturday, right? Mm -hmm. Even though we could make 50% more because our fixed costs are fixed and, you know, we don't have that much variable costs. Mm -hmm. We're just not going to do that to our people. Um, There, there are things like that, that if you can be true to those, you'll, you will get people who are true back Mm -hmm. and then, you know, a business feels more like a family than it does like, oh, I have, to right. go to, I have to go to work today and I hate work. And my boss, man, that Tom guy is like the worst. Yeah. If, you know, <laughs> and unfortunately, we again, we talk about how to help the world and do things a lot. And, you know, I one of the things we talk about as a student is like, hey, if as a manager, you can make or an owner, like you can make your your people stay like they could have a hard weekend. Things aren't going well. But they may be engaged and their like work is is good. Doesn't mean that everything's perfect or there's right. not some stress, but like they feel protected. They feel like this is a good place to be. They like what they do. They 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 tell their friends, like, yeah, I really like working for CFC because it does this, this, and this. And Papa Bear takes care of them. <laughs> yeah. And you know, that's the you, you look at the silverback gorilla, right? And <clears throat> he gets all the girls. Mm-hmm. Um, but if the leopard comes, who's the first one that runs out and defends him, yep. right? I, I have chickens, I have 12, well, we just had chicks. One of the chickens <laughs> had chicks. So I don't even know how many we have now. Um, but we have this huge rooster, we call him Arnold. Um, and uh, you know, he gets he gets everything he wants. Mm-hmm. Um, he has lots of food, he's happy. He wakes us up at 5 a.m. sometimes if we leave the door open. Um, but I've watched him chase off a red-tailed hawk and uh, like he does his job. Yeah. That's, that's pretty sweet. We are we are okay having a leader that gets more resources if if that person protects us back, mm-hmm. right? Yep. And businesses have gone away from that where, you know, there's this AIG insurance craziness that happened a few years ago, um, you know, after this like 2008, right? Big scandal. Turns out they were screwing everybody over. Yep. When that comes down, they, they're like, oh, we're going to lose our bonuses. Let's, let's go on a cruise. And they spent like $10 million dollars for like executives only retreat hmm. at the same time. It's like, that's the exact opposite behavior we expect. Right. Like everyone's okay with an owner 
making more money than them. Right. But with when times get hard, it's like you expect someone to be to be real with you and be mm-hmm. like, hey, we're not we're not seeing as many people as we need to make money. Right. And so rather than you go going to, you know, your marketing social media expert and saying, hey, we really need more likes, you could, you know, be more open mm-hmm. and say, hey, look, this is kind of the reality. If we don't get 10 patients a day, you know, we can't make it. Mm-hmm. And not to like put all that stress on them. Right. Right. And then maybe it's like, hey, we're not making money right now, but like right. you are here. Like, don't worry about it. Like you've got a job no matter what, because I'll take the pay cut. I'm the owner. Mm-hmm. Of course, when it swings yeah. upwards, I'll get more. Right. Of the, we just so many we're just seeing so often where the manager screws over his employee. Right. And it's like, oh, it was her fault. Right. The new employee didn't know what she was doing rather than owning it and say, hey, this is my job. Like this is, this is on me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's because companies, again, in the 80s starting stopped being loyal to their people. And so then that loyalty has just mm-hmm. tri- that lack of loyalty has trickled down. So it, it is not hard to stand out as a good employer. Right. And again, word of mouth, these things don't take that long to, yeah. to spread out. So everyone struggles with that, with hiring. Yep. But And it's hard. It, it is really hard to be a good employer, too, because it's so complicated. Yeah. And I even found this at the very beginning when I used to have it was just me and my wife and we'd have one part time staff and life was so easy. And then you had 10 or 12 different personalities and you're trying to juggle fairness, you're trying to juggle budgets, you're trying to juggle personal preferences, and then you're trying to juggle who do I keep and train and who do I fire and who do I promote and who do I not promote? Um, and it's, it's just a difficult thing that I think a lot of people maybe at 23 or 24 years old are like, oh, I should be good at this or, yeah. oh, I should be the manager in charge of 20 people with zero experience even managing one. So it's it's interesting to go through that thought process and say, it's easy to stand out because you know what to do, but you also need a lot of experience figuring out how to do that yes. because it's such a, a difficult thing to do. There's a book, you asked for book recommendations yeah, yeah. called It's the Manager, which is a book okay. that I um, have students read. And it's basically, it's like, it's the manager's fault most of the time when there are problems or, or middle management, right? Or it's yes. some, some sort of issue that um, almost always boils down to that because leadership is hard. It's, it's like being a parent. I mean, it's not the same, but it's one of those like, how do, you, how do you raise your kids? And you know, are we fair in every aspect of this? Like, one of my kids, if she had, a, she didn't come back with an A in math, I'd be like, yeah, you're not trying. The other kid, she could get a C, and I'd be like, that's <laughs> good, job. good job, yeah, because she does not think the same way, right? And you know, so holding people to the same standard, you know, not everyone goes to the same standard. You may have someone have someone who makes a lot of mistakes in paperwork, but is amazing at customer service. And it's like, do you as the owner have the mental and emotional wherewithal to be like, maybe we should shift roles, like rather than punish you or have you do this thing that's really bad at. Yeah. And it helps to be, you know, there is a sweet spot in that size where you're big enough to shuffle people around. And, but it's a, again, it depends on how big you are and your team, you know, do you need to have someone else to help manage that or maybe someone else does all the day-to-day because that's what you love and you like you love making that work yeah um yeah it's yeah yeah good so so all right kind of in in closing here then tell us what you love about columbia and maybe something that you wish would change about columbia or that you'd like to see happen um so i love 
it's it's funny. I'm I'm conservative in a lot of ways, and then very not conservative <laughs> in other ways. Um, but like in values, like family values, um, I just think that we are built on like we don't run well unless we run into family, and mm-hmm. you know there are a bajillion studies. If you don't have active parents, and if they're not both involved, it doesn't mean that you can't have good outcomes. Right. But you are the exception at some level. Mm-hmm. Um, so I like Columbia for that. We have lots of Christians, lots of family values, even if they're they're not. Um, and so I really like that. I feel like um, there's a there's a a wide net for my kids to find friends that have similar values on that side, on yeah. the morality and the yeah, yeah. you know like being a, family matters and a bunch of stuff like that. I agree. Right? Um, kids don't always come here going, I want to you know, go work in investment banking and just like make a ton of money. Like a lot of people are like, I'd love to have a lake house or just buy a boat and I can have a family time. And so I like, I like that a lot. Um, I, I would like to see a better startup community in like in Columbia. Yeah. We are part of something cool. Um, there's a, a company called GroCo that is really trying to help foster this entrepreneurial community so we meet um, at 7-Eleven Saluda on Wednesday mornings for coffee. And it's kind of, it's it's built for kind of high growth companies where it's like, you're looking to grow, come here. Yeah. Um, we're in the, in the future, near future, there's, the hope is that we can have two kind of centers. One is for like the family business, right? It's like, hey, just come here for like, how do we improve business in general? And then the other one's more, how do you scale? Because they're... Yeah. Very different questions. Um, so we, I see my role in that as like plugging students into the system. So I try to get students involved in local companies on the consulting side, A, for the teaching experiences, but B, I would love it for them to say, man, I love working with so-and-so. Um, I'll just stay here. Yeah. Like maybe yeah. I'll make 10 grand or 20 grand less than I would in Boston, but it's like, but hey, if you live in Boston, you spend twice as much right. living there. Mm-hmm. Uh, very, you know, you have a tiny loft apartment here. You could, you know, maybe not buy a house yet with post-COVID. Yeah. It's gotten harder to buy a house. Um, so I'd love to have that happen because I feel like the more of that we have, the more of the other things that I'm hoping to see will come out. Yeah. Like more healthy restaurants and I don't know, a bunch of other yeah. kind of, the, the, there's a long list of like what a perfect mm-hmm. society would have. But I feel like we have all of the, the pieces in Colombia to make that happen. Yeah. We do have an entrenched system. There's a few families that own a lot, mm-hmm. and people who are at the top of something are unlikely to shift it around. Right. So it's, it's got to be a groundswell. But I, mm-hmm. I'm meeting more and more people who are really interested in changing things. So I'm yeah. I'm hopeful, and we'll, <clears throat> I think we'll stay here cool. forever. Uh, favorite restaurants, uh, Ratio is one of my favorites. Yeah, we've yeah. talked about that before. Um, small sugar, small is sugar. I've never heard mm-hmm. of that. Sarah Simmons is, um, the founder of that. It's off of Gervais. Really? Downtown? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's downtown. It's kind of like tucked, tucked, tucked away. Uh huh. So it's hard to see. And it's kind of amidst others like that you wouldn't like a bar and yeah. some other things that you wouldn't necessarily notice. So she has that. And then she has a nonprofit called city grit, which anyway, she's got some really cool things Good coming. Stuff. So there's. Like even these were all kind of like post COVID, but you know, ratio was a COVID or right, post COVID right. as well as this, like these are new businesses. And she also locally sources, Yeah, you know, rotating menu based on what's in season, 
Yeah. She'd be cool to have on the podcast. She would be really good. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I could I could connect you. They don't do tips. They just she's like, we just pay people a living wage. And then it's not awkward. You don't have to worry about again. Oh, yeah. So like the waitresses yeah, and waiters so no don't, one, mm-hmm. no tipping. No tipping. Yeah. It's just not even allowed to? Oh, I'm sure you could always oh, okay. tip. But they the it's the, kind of their thing. The, yeah. It's run differently so that you don't need to. Sure. Um, because they have anyone will fill in for needs, right? You need water, someone sees it. They'll go fill Somebody, it up. Yep. So again, it's just a, I, how do you shift the model, right? Um, there's so many things like the Chick-fil-A versus McDonald's where you just change the business model a little bit and mm-hmm. it's a very different company. Um, are, we at, are we out of time? Where are they? Yeah, we're, yeah we're, at, we're, we're out of time. We're, we're close. Well, I have one last thing. So you, you homeschool your kids. Yeah. What's your thoughts on the public education system since you're a, a professor? <laughs> That's dangerous. Um, I, uh, I I went to public school. Yep. Um, my youngest sister had an auditory processing disorder, mm-hmm. and so you know, first grade, her teacher's like, she's going to be retarded. Like right, that's what they right. were telling my mom, and she was like, no way. And so she pulled her out, did a bunch of homeschool stuff, and she, my sister, graduated college. She's a level ten pianist. Wow. Like she's, she did all the things. It's just a. She just, you know, she would, she could never be a waitress. Right. You tell her five things and she'll remember two. Yeah. But she's super visual and good at this. So that was kind of the beginnings of the, like, there are different brains and different models of people. I was, I mean, I went, I did a PhD for Pete's sake, right? Yeah. We have five degrees in my, between my wife and I. It's like, wait, we're way over, yeah. over educated. Um, so. So you kind of looked at your kids as you want to be able to control well, at least a little bit of how to a little teach bit. them so when we were um my wife and i were both in grad school at the same time at university of illinois i was getting my phd she was getting a master's in engineering and um so we had our kids in daycare and the the second daughter i have three girls and a boy the second daughter was so young that it didn't really matter um until we kind of she moved up to preschool and so we put her in a new preschool and that december you know that parent teacher review yeah we brought the other, you know, the two kids, the two girls, and they were playing and taught chatting kind of in the corner. You know, like, I was kind of proud of them. Like, yeah. they're, they're not screaming or running around. Like, this is great. And the teacher looks at us and she's like, she talks? And we were like, yeah, Jenna has been talking for a long time. And she's like, and she doesn't have touch issues. Like, clearly they're touching each other. Right. And so it turns out, um, like, preschool was such a, for whatever reason, for her brain at the time, my second daughter, it was, she just like shut down and you touched her and she would like shy away. Wow. She wouldn't talk. And so, you know, she just has one of those brains that was like over, easily overwhelmed. Yeah, yeah. And now that she talks more, we, you, know, you can help talk her through that. Right. And so we pulled the kids out for that. We're like, all right, yeah. well. So I have a, a lot of reasons I believe homeschool is a good way to go. Um, I think you can make it with any education. Either way, we you can't just expect to walk in and be fed something right. and leave, right? Whether that's health, spirituality at church, education. Like if you think you're going to get educated, like that's not in how it sc- works. Right, yeah. right. Like you my PhD was, was basically like, here are the topics, go figure it out, mm-hmm. sink or swim. And so half of my cohort failed out. We had one guy commit suicide. No way. Yeah. 
so we had a kind of a, a rough program. But, yeah. Uh, but like, I, I realized <laughs> I that's a little rough. <laughs> so I like, and I was again, model student, like five on the AP test, yeah. you know, like I get really good ACT, like all those, I thought I was a good writer. Yeah. And then I get to a PhD level and it's like, oh man, my, I, I know grammar and I know sentence structure and I know the little pieces, but I have no idea how to write persuasively. And so I would just get like red everywhere or actually my advisor would usually go try again. Like she's <laughs> like, it wasn't even worth it for her to read. Right. She's like, yeah, oh, do better. Worst. Uh, it was, it I'm was, not even reading this. It was rough. <laughs> yeah. So I, you know, it's like, I learned how to, how to write and you don't, you don't learn to write by doing small little segments of yeah. a paragraph or a little topic. It's like, so we do that. Like <clears throat> that's part of the homeschool curriculum is we do this classical conversations right now as that's like the little program that we do. Mm -hmm. um, but we're not 100% married to it. Yeah, yeah. There's some charter schools that are here or coming, and we've thought a lot about yeah. like shifting mm -hmm. into that. Nice. Okay. But it's again, it's the, the mindset of an entrepreneur or homeschooler or a consultant uh, is that you can learn anything. Like you can you can learn anything is learnable. Right. It's degree or not doesn't yep. matter. Yep. And so if I had a, any parting thoughts, it would be that's what my parting thought would be. For yeah. the world is like, you can do it. Like, yep. You can you Love can it. figure it out. I mean, I fixed my lawnmower last weekend <laughs> because I lucked at you know a YouTube video. I'm I'm not very yeah. mechanically inclined. Yeah, but I fixed things because hey, look, someone did it, and I just had to order the belt. Yeah. yeah. Turns out I'm an idiot. And I ran over a stick, and it, you know it broke the belt. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. Anyway, nice. So if someone wants to find you, let's say a prospective student wants to come to your school or learn about your classes or a business is interested in mentoring a student, where do they find you? Um, well, I'm at the business school, which is on 1014 Green Street, um, office 410i. Um, so if they come, because they can just kind of walk up physically. But my email might be best or the website. Um, it's a long URL. But All the, right. we'll the put favorite. a link in here, we'll but you, they'll, they'll click on it and then just send you an email directly and mm -hmm. say, this is who I am. Yeah, I have an Instagram. But I'm not my wife's like the bigger mm -hmm. Instagram chronicler of our life. So I have one that's called Prof Sav. Um, but I mostly post random things about like the benefits of barefoot running <laughs> yeah. or, you know, like the depression study or the fact that birth control hormones have are linked to all these poor things. Nice. So. I, I tend to promote often sensitive things that like people may not like <laughs> yeah. me anymore. Good. <laughs> I'll right. offend anyone. We'll save. Well, people can just email you then. Yeah. <laughs> That's probably the best way. All right. Well, we appreciate yeah. your time. Here. We're here for the health of it. For the health of it.